Some months ago, your pastor came up to our church in Simi Valley for the memorial service of one of your members here, Leanne Wiley. She had, before she moved down into this area, had been a longtime member at Simi Valley, and Pastor Lee came to help commemorate her life and told me that, uh, Ed, I'd like to have you preach while I'm on renewal leave. Okay. And here we are. Renewal leave. I remember once, hmm, that's several decades ago, I took a renewal leave back before they were officially a part of uh, the Methodist conference system for pastors. I just needed to get away. Uh, well, it was a tough time in my life. Uh, we had lost our son in an auto accident, and I was still trying to get over that. And uh, my brother had just bought a shrimp boat down in Mobile Bay, and he invited me, kind of tempted me, come on down and we'll be shrimpers together on Mobile Bay. Can you think of anything more romantic than that? <laughs> That's, that was my renewal leave for three months, 24-7. <laughs> and there were, there were times when he just felt like, we aren't going to stop. We're just going to shrimp all night long, all day long, until uh, I got the net messed up in the propeller. And uh, that ended our shrimping. <laughs> until we could find a, a diver who could go down and dislodge a net out of the propeller of our shrimp boat. Well, you got me reminiscing, but I, I think that what that renewal leave, it really was a, had an effective work on me and did what it was supposed to. It made me realize I really want to be a pastor. <laughs> uh, I don't think Lee has done anything quite like that for this period, but uh, hope she'll come back just as renewed as I was from that shrimping experience of three months. I expect I'm probably the most senior preacher you've had for this whole renewal leave, too. You can tell by my black robe that I'm from a, from a very old school. Um, Everybody's wearing white these days. But why would a retired preacher want to buy a new robe? So, here we are. I was thinking, all summer long, I've been looking forward to this Sunday. September 9th. But looking forward has different ways of Usually you think of it as um, in terms of great expectation. And I was, in a way, uh, looking forward to coming here and seeing you folks and seeing old friends who've come, who live down the, the beach from your ways but have, are here today to, to back me up. Thank you for coming. <laughs> we got three of them sitting with my wife there. And to see an old friend from a former church, Donna Fontana. You sang in the choir back there in the receiver too, didn't you? And 
here she is still. So, in a way, I was looking forward, but the anticipation I had was more of a sense of anxiety. As in, what am I going to say to these people? Because you see, being an old retired pastor for 20 years now, I'm much more used to sitting out there than standing up here. And up until just a couple of weeks ago, I was still struggling with what to say. Then something happened. My brother died. My shrimping, my shrimp boat brother. It was the end of a long struggle with Alzheimer's. And it was also the end of an amazing life. Well, it's not my place to be eulogizing my brother here today. I cannot help but thinking about him and talking about him for a moment. For his was truly an amazing journey. I won't give you all the details, no. I'll just share with you some of the beginnings of his journey. After mother died, he left high school and came back to Mississippi, to the Gulf Coast, which had been the family home. Lying about his age, he got a job working in the shipyard. I happened to be the student pastor in a little town of Goche across the river from our town of Pascagoula. And every Saturday night, we had a worship celebration for the youth of the town, sponsored by the Methodist and the Baptist young people. To my surprise, my brother wanted to come. But I soon learned uh, his motives were to check out the girls. He quickly found one. It was a Romeo Juliet <laughs> experience. He found one and uh, a Baptist, and I never saw him again in my church. <laughs> and he became the youngest deacon of that Baptist church, youngest that they'd ever had. They soon had a child, and another, and another, until they had five children before they were 21. At 24, An, in, an epidemic went through the community of infectious hepatitis, and it took her life within two days. At 24, my brother was a widow and the father of five small children. That's the beginning of this story. He lived to be 81, and last week, we and his five children, now grown, with their spouses, of course they're grown, eight grandchildren, 12 great-grandchildren, gathered back at that ancient cemetery, that ancient graveside of 
of his wife, the love of his life, and celebrated his life. So, these days I've been kind of living with memories of ghosts of the past. Some of them have been tough, but so many have been empowering. The last rich memory of, about my brother happened when I was telling him goodbye about three years ago to come back to California. He was already in the grip of the disease, but still had some ability to, to speak and to move. And so with tears, I, I looked at him and said, Brother, it's been quite a ride. And he met my gaze with tears in both of our eyes, responded, it's been quite a ride. And remembering my brother and that ride set the stage for the sermon today. We'll do some thinking about memory. The old English poet Thomas More reflected, Oft in the stilly night, ere slumber's chains have bound me, fond memory brings the light of other days around me. I think one of the benefits of, of an active memory whether it be the ghosts of the night or in the common light of shared story, is to help us progress forward on our own spiritual journey. Memory can be the catalyst that boosts us along in spiritual growth. When I say spiritual growth, I am thinking of becoming alive in our faith and in our lives and in touch with our world. It's a path that's often complex, confusing. Moving ahead is sometimes tenuous, like stepping forward, sh shrinking back. It can also take difficult twists and turns, some caused by our own decisions or lack thereof and sometimes because of life's impositions upon us. But what a journey. Quite a ride. Our very own. That lady in the salmon outfit there, uh, my best supporter, I think about the, the ride we've had together for 61 years now. Tumultuous years, I have to say. <laughs> Not been boring, thick and thin. Our life together has been one wondrous ride. And we're happy to still have each other. You know, I used to think that couples celebrating their 50th anniversary, wow, they're old. <laughs> <laughs> Sixty-one, I'm blown away. Mm. Paul, in his letter to the Philippians, chapter 3, verse 13, says, 
forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I wish Paul had not used that word forgetting. I would rather think of it as saying grateful for what lies behind or accepting of what lies behind or growing from what lies behind. I press on. I press on. Whenever this uh, reflective mood comes on me, and it does happen getting to my age, (laughs) a great sense of well-being and of peace sits down beside me. I realize that the searching of spirituality has been and still is a kind of constant companion in my life. Those words of Paul, I press on for the prize of the upward call of Christ Jesus. I'd say this search is never ending. It's never static. Life continues to change and to challenge. The journey continues on this earth that we share for a time with all other creatures, the land, the air, the the creatures that make up such a wonderful world. It's all so mixed together. And we seek to live with a peaceful heart, to be at peace with all that surrounds us. I think this is the way of God. We do entrust our lives to an essential goodness And we do so believing that ultimately all that we care for is undergirded by this spirit of love. I call this being fully at home in our lives and on this earth to be fully at home even as while we're on a journey. And you know this journey is not a simple casual stroll. Living in this kind of life and world is full of challenges and difficulty. There are destructive, devouring giants, malevolent forces of injustice, firestorms and holocausts of evil, genocide and ecocide, and negative values and corrosive ones that push life into callous corners. The satirist George Carlin decried, the human record on Earth should argue against any colonization attempts of other planets such as Mars. We should keep this infection local. But in spite of all that messiness of living, we do still long for the peaceful heart and a quiet enjoyment of what we have and a desire to share it and a spontaneous gratitude for what God has given. And with that, an open-hearted empathy for both the joy and the pain that exists all around us. This is the spiritual journey. How do you stay on track in a journey like this? I'm going to say it takes a dynamic tension between openness and resistance, openness, being open to the call of God, 
a call that can come in a still, small voice or a sounding trumpet. Being open can even mean having a sense of expectancy every Sunday morning in church. Coming believing that some movement of the Spirit may be at work today in me or in all of us. It's the openness that looks at a new day, at a new experience, with the belief that God has fresh gifts to share with us. Behold, says that scripture in the passage from Revelation, Behold, I have set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. It takes an attitude of openness. As we Methodists say, open hearts, open minds, open doors. Conversely, it takes a spirit of resistance. Resist shutting that open door. Resist the isolating of oneself from possibilities. Resist giving up. Resist reactive judgmental attitudes. Resist unkind ridicule ridicule and contempt. You know, reading through the familiar liturgy for the baptism of a child, the parents are asked, do you accept the freedom and power that God gives you to resist evil, resist injustice, resist oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? When I was a pastor, I had felt that language was rather negative. And I would sort of kind of mumble, rush through that question to the new parents. But you know, I began to grow to see that that's a powerful expression of faith and a key to spiritual growth. We really got to do a whole lot of resisting. Ephesians 6 challenges the spiritual warriors to put on the whole armor of God, saying, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers in this present darkness. That's pretty strong language. It's saying that resistance is a major battle. And boy, is history full of examples of it. There was such a time in my own personal experience in history that always stays close in my memory. We'd been married five years. We'd finished seminary. We went off to see the world in Europe. We came back to Mississippi and we're living there in the in what now seemed very, a very strange land to us, the segregated South. In the fall of 1962, riots and death struck the University of Mississippi over the entrance of James Meredith as the first black student, 62. In the weeks that followed, the only public voices heard in that land were the shouts of hate and the call of what they call interposition, to interpose the will of a, of a 
United State, the state of Mississippi, against the United States of America. Interposition, they called it. Try to give it a fancy, what sounded like a legal term. And that, too, was a voice of resistance, but of a kind that turns truth on its head. They said, interposition will bring victory. This is a speech before the state legislature. A victory, regardless of the cost in money, regardless of the cost in prestige, regardless of the cost in human life. That was Mississippi burning in 1962. That's negative resistance. But there was one strong voice of positive resistance spoken and heard by one lone member of the state legislature from my hometown, Carl Wiesenberg. He said, the time has come for the many citizens who have been afraid to speak out for law and order to make themselves heard. Men will have to take a stand. Women who share the highest stake of all, the safety and welfare of our children, must make their influence felt in the home, the community, and at the polls. Those of you who remember that era, remember the loudness of the voices, the negative voices of resistance. There were those, quiet though they were, who knew what the will of God was to be. It was just days later a statement was published, signed by 28 young white, white Methodist ministers of Mississippi. And the statement said, in words, that they believe all men are brothers with no discrimination because of race, color, or creed, that all are of infinite worth. They took a stand against the closing of the public schools. And it challenged the status quo, calling for repentance and for change wherever the behavior of men falls short of the standards of Jesus Christ. I was one of those. We call this statement, born of conviction. It blew most of us clean out of Mississippi. <laughs> and in hindsight, I am forever grateful. <laughs> we felt it was time for some God-fearing resistance. Whew, that was 55 years ago. Mississippi is now a much different state. And the social climate has changed so dramatically. A few years ago, Martina and I went back to Mississippi for the 50th reunion and a celebration at the annual conference of that statement, the signing of it and the publishing of it. And they actually gave us a civil rights award Whereas 55 years ago, uh, the response was very different. <laughs> and we were young guys back then. Now we were old men, and many of us had died. But we relieved, relived that moment of committed resistance. 
being with us was a professor who was writing a book now published concerning that long ago event and of its influence in changing the tide and we were reminded of the word by the ancient philosopher Pascal God opens mighty doors on very small hinges yeah resistance is a spiritual calling there's also a powerful personal effect gained from resistance sometimes in the midst of great pain or deep loss one can have a sense of wonder about life have you felt that something that brings a, a depth of fullness that one is not overcome but can overcome and it's a deep mark of spiritual growth i'll illustrate this point by a story of a holocaust survivor named sarah she remembers and quotes today as i look back i must note that no matter how utterly illogical it seems those were indeed the best and most beautiful years of my life neither before nor since have i been capable of such profound and sincere faith of such perfect unity with the universe and this despite the relentless death that surrounded us wow huh. how could she feel that way could it have been through her sure knowledge that she must resist the destructive forces impinging on her life that a fierce will to live and to love and to embrace provides its own pure happiness it is to engage unjust suffering and evil face to face and to oppose it with one's faith that will lead to spiritual growth resistance though is is not the end of the spiritual journey only its defensive stance you got to have a good defense so that the offense can make some some headway and that real force coming through our memories is gratitude memory is not simply a listing of all our benefits though that's doesn't hurt it's a deep understanding of what life has brought and of what has been done for us that's how i feel about that hymn that i had you learn today <laughs> i didn't know you did hadn't sung that Lee had sent me a, a sample copy of your church's bulletin it was from June and the first hymn was we are marching in the light of God we are marching and I thought wow if they can sing that difficult song they can sing this hymn <laughs> and you did and you did but think of what that said oh god beyond all oh, praising we worship you today and sing the love amazing which songs cannot repay for 
For we can only wonder at all the gifts you send for mercies without number and blessings without end. We lift our hearts before you and wait upon your word. We honor and adore you, our great and mighty Lord. That's what I'm talking about. And you sang about it today. You remember the award-winning movie, Saving Private Ryan? It's one of the classics. And it's about the, the effects of such a memory. The climactic scene of that movie, following the battle on the bridge, shows a dying Captain John Miller whispering his, in his last breath into Ryan's ear, earned this. The young private stands up and stares down at the dying man who had come, who had come to save him. And as the camera focuses on young Private Ryan's face, his image with all the artistic talent of modern photography, his image morphs into Ryan as a much older man, now staring down at the gravestone of Captain John Miller there in that U.S. cemetery overlooking Omaha Beach. Now you see the face of Ryan, an aged veteran who had returned to France with his family to that military cemetery to pay respects and to remember. And with tears flooding his face, he speaks to that name on that marker saying, every day of my life I remember what you said to me. I hope I've earned all that you did for me. I've tried to live a good life and to be a good man. You know, somewhere in that story is the message of what the spiritual journey is all about. Somewhere in our openness to God's grace revealed in Jesus Christ, somewhere in our resistance to the evils that threaten to destroy the goodness of this earth, and somewhere in our memories and in our gratitude for life, we will say to our Lord, every day I remember what you said to me and what you did for me. And I have tried and will keep trying to gratefully live a good life. Is, that, is not that what Jesus taught by his example in all that he said and did? that life is good. He believed it, believed it so much that in Gethsemane he could even say, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And the greatest example of all came from the cross, giving proof to his words that greater love has no one than to lay down one's life for a friend. And the greatest words of affirmation came well done. Well done. Good, faithful servant.
It was quite a ride. Amen.